Did you ever want to toss one back with Kerouac? Get a little smashed with our Dinesh. Start to read with Daniel Steele. Slosh some gin with Anna Eastman. It's time to get lit-faced while you are day drinking with authors. Ho, 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 day drinkers. Uh, I know it can be hard to get in the holiday spirit, but we're doing it. Uh, I have a lot of great holiday romance novels coming up on the podcast, but tonight is really special. Um, the writing duo Christina Lauren are coming in to talk about their instant New York Times bestseller, In a Holidays. Um, I'm also learning some technical tricks, so come on back right after this break. Welcome back, and here's Christina Lauren. Hi, thanks for being here. Thank you for inviting Hi. us. Yes, this is so fun. We just love you. Oh, oh well, that's, <laughs> that's <definitely> nice. <laughs> uh, so, how are you guys doing uh, quarantining? How's your quarantine? Are you like in the authors that I've talked to? There are two kinds of authors: ones who are unable to work and the jerks who are head down able <laughs> able to get shit done where where do you fall I mean, we are able to get shit done i oh. i think you know one of the things that's nice this is lauren by the way you guys will just have to learn our voices but um the one that sounds like a 9 year old that's lauren um <laughs> so the when we first went into shelter in place it was sort of a very calming time for me in some way because life had been so, so crazy that almost being told to slow down allowed my brain to just be like, okay, this is out of my control. Everything is terrible, but I can control what's in my house and what's happening in my office. And so I think it was like very calming for me mentally, oddly, very oddly. And I think it was more stressful for Christina early on, but then she kind of calmed down in September. And September was when I thought all of this would be done. So that's when I started getting a little bit like, why are we still here, you know? And um, so I think we had a little stumbling block or like a Lauren-induced stumbling block maybe in like September, but I think we're doing okay. Like I think in general we're doing, because we're quarantining so that we can see each other. Smart. And um, so being able to see her has been really good for me. Yeah, I I really messed like I was I was really struggling in March. I had a couple of weeks where I was really really struggling. And actually, I had to call my doctor and be like, I don't think that like I am anxious all the time. And then it got better. And um, yeah, it's been it's been weird to like be going so fast, and then suddenly the world is like you have to slow down. So that's been an adjustment. Mm-hmm. It's taken sure. a few weeks. I mean, obviously now we're months past it, but I feel like that's sort of how we're reconciling, like, like in the, uh, how I am reconciling in the moment, I'm not aware. And then two weeks later, I'm like, oh, you know something? Like, it is good. <laughs> it is yeah. good. We've had to slow yeah. down. Um, my September, like it's finally sort of come together for me. I think once the kids went as back to school as they were going to go. And I was like, all right, this is the life we can manage. You know, I know what the week looks like. Then I could finally kind of yeah, get, get calmed down, but it, it's taken. I think we needed a routine, right? Like our routine that we knew was done. 
And then there was that transition period, which I think was hard for a lot of people. And now, like, especially those of us who have school age kids, the kids are settled. We're figuring out what the routine is. Like we're kind of carving out that space. And I think, um, you know, of course it means that something's going to upend this new routine immediately because 2020, 2020 is a bitch, but like, yeah, um, we are jinxing it hard right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's funny. I just saw a tweet from Amy Spaulding. She's a YA author. We really love her. And she was saying like, is anyone else upset by these, the news saying like, Hey, we might need to lock down again. Like, what have you all been doing? I just go and get coffee yeah. and go straight home. Like I'm not doing anything. Who's out there? And I think I have a little bit of that lately, which is like, I, all of us who have still been following the rules and being really, really careful and all that are like, who's out there making 150,000 new cases today? Yeah. You yeah. know, I'm in Ontario and Toronto and our numbers are going up in the news was this afternoon. Like I was, I had stopped watching the U.S. news. I had stopped, like I was kind of back to work, and then I watched the news today, and I was like, oh, "What is happening?" I know. <laughs> I know. You know yeah, the numbers are crazy. Um, it, my- was, it was weird for me because my husband still works outside the house, so there was a little period where it felt like we were living two different lives, where my daughter and I were like not going anywhere, not seeing anything, but he was still going out. Yeah, yeah. So that's my husband been weird. Was the same. Yeah, yeah. He was like having like getting lunch. I was like, who gets lunch? Yeah. Not like in a restaurant. He was just like grabbing right. lunch somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Was like, what is lunch? Yeah. <laughs> My son is in high school. He's a he's in grade nine. And um it's that like he does a half day at school and goes yeah. home, blah, blah, blah. And um our thing right now, and I don't know how this has happened, but I in in keeping with the theme of slowing down, uh, my son and I play chess. Like oh my all god! The time. And Amazing. now we start to like listen to classical music at the same time. Oh my god! <laughs> you are you are doing this right, mom. No, it's like it's utterly like I, it's, I I think we're like trying to like yeah like put the lid on things right. Like we're just let's try this. It seems extreme. We're playing. Are you guys extreme. watching? Um, are you watching Queen's Gambit together? I watched it. He was not interested. Okay. Okay. I just started it last night. I, it's a lot of chess. I was like, okay, maybe I'll know how to play chess. I, 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 like, I like it. Like my I it's, it's quiet. And they're playing it's quiet and, and and like visually dark. Like the, yes. the cinematography is very dark. So I'm very much like, which pair of glasses do I need for this? <laughs> it's like a lot of people like either yawning and like trying to look like bored or staring at each other, like aggressively across the mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the actress once you get out of the little girl actress it's like she I think it's true the whole thing like she manages to to reveal absolutely everything that she's feeling and absolutely none of what she's feeling all at the same time yeah <laughs> and I feel like the the show is the same way like you're watching a lot of chess but you learn nothing about chess yeah, <laughs> it's very dope. Yeah, so it's it's, yeah. it's super. But you're here to talk about your book, not the Queen's sure. Gambit. So <laughs> I want to know how did this? <laughs> so in a holidays, for those of you who haven't read it, is it is fantastic, and it is a bit like it's a Wonderful Life meets Groundhog Day. So yeah. our heroine, uh, Maylin, um, 
you know, it's, it's Christmas and she kind of keeps repeating this one day over and over again in an effort to sort of, and I'm using air quotes that you can't see, get it right. And we're, and you're not entirely sure what the get it right part of it is at the very beginning, but she, she, she dies a few times and she comes back to life on this day. So how did this book, I am, I'm imagining one of you going to the other one and saying, okay, (laughs) how did it happen? I think we, so we were playing around with the idea of what we wanted to do next. Right. And like we had seen happy death day, which have you seen that? Mm -mm. It's so the premise there is that there's a girl, a a college age girl who's really terrible and somebody kills her. And then she wakes up the next day and she realizes she's in the same day and every day she gets killed a different way. And she it's her job to figure out who is murdering her. And there's no explanation for why it's happening. There's no like science behind it. They try and do that a little bit in the follow-up and it's fine. The second movie is really cute too. But in the first one, it's like, it doesn't matter why this is happening. It's just happening and it's delightful. And I think, you know, we had already talked about the setting, which was the cabin up in the mountains in Park City, Utah, and having this chosen family dynamic. And we were trying to figure out like, how can we make her journey more interesting. And when we saw that happy death day, we thought that would be such a cute romance idea where you like have to figure out who the hero is and you sort of have to repeat. Cause you know, we're all stumbling through life, especially when we're that age and we're like trying to figure out who we're supposed to be with and what's going to make us happy. And I think because, you know, Christmas is, or winter, I should say, because the, the winter holidays all have their own kind of magic it's the one time of year I think you can be really magical in your contemporary mm-hmm. romance even. And um, so I think that's sort of how it came about. And it was, a, it was multiple conversations in a couple different drafts. Like we had to rewrite it a couple times, but it was really fun. Yeah. I, I felt like you did two, like you, you got away with two, not got away. You like hammered out two amazing tricks in this thing. And one is that like, I started reading that and I was like, oh, oh, this is what she's going to do. That's amazing. And then like my next thought was like, it's a trap. Like <laughs> 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 It's a trap. Because <laughs> you, I mean, you have to play with the timing. You have to play with the length of scenes that they're like, like how, I mean, you just said that you had to rewrite it. Like what was the trickiest part about it? Well, when we were, our first draft um, started Let's see. It started a year after, right? Yeah. Initially, she had like hooked she up with the mistake, hooked up with Theo, and then a year later, she comes back, and everything is the same as it was the year before, and it just like yeah. it wasn't working. So we watched her go through that year, sort of like leading up to the dread of what happened with Theo, and you know, and um, it was like after the the like the day we turned it in, or the day after we turned it in, or something. We were like, I don't think that we did that right. Yeah. I think that we needed. Um, but what yeah. was funny is. Like, don't read that you know, draft. Yeah. <laughs> when you're watching a movie and somebody is like redoing something, it's really easy because you get clues. Like you don't have to say anything. You just like, maybe they pass by something they think they've seen you before. Do, like, and cut montage. Yeah. And, and you see it in their face. Like, you know, um, and it's harder in a book. And so when we went to go redo it, Lo, I was working on something else. And so Lo was going to tackle the way that we like had her sort of like 
like die and come back. And, and I like, that was just such an awful job, like to have to tackle. <laughs> and, but, uh, and I was now like, I, was like right. I don't know how you're going to do that, whatever. But, but when she did, when she sent it back, I was like, oh my God, you did it. And she figured out a way to do it. And uh, then we like built on it from there, but it is, it's really tricky to do that and not have the reader be like, I don't want to read this again. Yeah, we saw so like, to, yeah, to like snap forward and suddenly she's in the middle of already explaining it to somebody or, you know, however. But, and also I remember we were like, can we, can we make her dead? Can we not make her? Like, how far can we push it? And she <laughs> so actually died. And then, yeah. and then you decide for yourself. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I clearly decided that she died. <laughs> so See, that's where I go. <laughs> how, how, how does it often work between the two of you? Like um, in terms of co-writing? I mean, uh, do you, do you, do one of, one of you takes a, a chunk and the other one takes another chunk or that's how so it goes? We always, we yeah, always really? outline, to, we always outline together because there's just, and the pandemic has made this harder, but not impossible. But, um, there's just kind of a magic that happens when we're in the same room together. Like it just, it, we can spend a week together and we talk about it a little bit on day one. And then we get a little deeper in day two and by day four or five, we are like, with a spreadsheet or with post-it notes on a board and we're able to actually hash it out. Um, but when we're trying to do it over zoom, it's harder because we need that time of where like life kind of comes in and out of us hanging out and we bounce ideas around and some, we like let's sit for a little while while we're cooking. And, um, so we usually outline it. We always outline in person and then we, we split up and we go to our separate spaces and I write, we usually write every other chapter depending on how much we have to do one of, we might just like write whatever's next. So we have our outline like chapters one through 20 and just like, okay, I'm done. I'm going to move on. Um, and again, it just depends on what else we're juggling. And we usually put it together right away. And then once we're done, we edit, 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 we edit a ton because we don't want it to feel like two people have written it. Even if it's two characters, we want it to feel like one voice writing two voices. Right. Um, and so and then we spend a lot of time doing revisions. This is like the most beautiful thing. <laughs> Maybe it's because I'm starved. <laughs> I know. People. It is, what a beautiful, like, are you kind of blown away by the faith you have in each other? Like, Yeah. And also just how serendipitous it is. I mean, we met in 2009. We were both writing fan fiction and reading each other's stories. And we like... I invited her out to San Diego Comic-Con because she was writing a fic that was really big at the time. And I was putting on a panel on fan works and fan art. And she came out and um, we met in person and it was just this like, we barely knew each other. And we were like, let's try and write a story together. It was very strange. And then we did, and it was really fun. And then we like, the more we wrote together, the closer we got. So like the work relationship came first, but now we're like, soulmates you know what I mean so I don't think we could have predicted that that would have happened right I don't think we thought it was weird at the time either but now looking back we're just like that was what an odd what What an odd odd thing thing to do to I know you want to write a book together okay tie our fates together I don't know you stranger (laughs) but I think it might be fun it is a beautiful romance that's for sure I love it it. it yeah it Um, is uh, shifting back to the book, I feel like the other great trick um, you were able to pull on us as readers um, is that like, so at the at the beginning of the book, she wakes up and, and she's kissed 
the brother that she doesn't love. She has loved yeah. Andrew and she, but she, drunk, they have a kiss in the kitchen. And yeah. you know, everybody, you can relate to that 100% <laughs> at kissing the wrong brother at Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Um, but <laughs> who hasn't done it? <laughs> who to kiss them? I mean, <laughs> so many things happen. What, but so you kind of hold on to like, you're reading the first, you know, quarter of that book. And I'm like, but wait, what about Theo? Like something's going to happen with Theo. And then Mm -hmm. as Andrew is, Andrew's an amazing hero. You're like, Oh God, I hope nothing really happens with Theo. Like, and then the thing with Theo actually comes back around and creates this horrible rift between them. Like how, how tricky was creating a love triangle that was not a, it was like (laughs) one drunk kiss. Like, yeah. It was a great magic trick. How difficult was yeah. that? Um, I, you know, I think it's what's funny is that when we first outlined the book, the very, very first, before any of the like repetition, Groundhog Day, any of that, before we saw Happy Death Day, before we thought to bring in magic, the very first iteration of it was that May had been in love with Theo her whole life. She has a new roommate in college or grad school, I think it was, and they she left to go to this cabin she loves. She arrives at the cabin and Theo is greet- is there to greet her with his new girlfriend who is her roommate. And so she's devastated. And so she and Andrew kind of conspire to like break them up. But in the process, she and Andrew fall in love. And no matter how we started writing it with Theo as the hero, Andrew was always like, Da da da! Here I am. <laughs> so charming. So <laughs> yes. And it was like Theo was consistently a meathead and consistently not the hero. And it was like no matter what we tried to do, he was not going to be the hero. And so I think, you know, what you're seeing at the beginning where she hooks up with with Theo is a little bit of a remnant of that. Where, like, you know, we had initially thought of him as this romantic lead, and for a moment of like sadness and just. Andrew's never going to love me, you know, May gets a little bit drunk and makes out with the wrong brother. Um, And that's just one of many things that she feels like goes wrong. But um, yeah, I don't know. I think I didn't answer the question, but that's the answer. (laughs) You you totally did. I was sort of fascinated by how much got pulled out of this story. Does that happen to you a lot? Was this a a book that more got pulled out of than usual? Yeah, there's been a few. I mean, like Twice in a Blue Moon had a completely second, different second half. That one we just cut. Same with Dark Wild Night. We had to rewrite that one entirely. But I think and Dating You, Hating You went through a number of different versions. But I think those are the only ones really that we had to like, oh, wait, and Sweet Filthy Boy. Like we always say, like, um, we don't know how sometimes to do something right till we do it wrong. Which is a really crappy way <laughs> to have to do something when, when like you have deadlines. But um, when you just start writing, you just like sit down to start writing, and we're two brains, and so sometimes it's just like, what am I doing again? You know, um, and you have to get to know those characters, and then as you're writing it, you think like, oh, this looks good in the outline, but it doesn't work when we're actually putting it into words. So um, yeah, you just, and also it really helps if you have an editor who can say to you, you know what, this is good, <laughs> but it's not like it can be better. Or sometimes and, we've had, we're like, this yeah. is a good book, but it's not, it's not their book or yeah. something. I think the trickiest part for us has been, well, 
at least for Dark Wild Night, you know, we had that was the third book in the Wild Season series. So we met the characters first in Sweet Filthy Boy. Then we saw them again in Dirty Rowdy Thing. And then in Dark Wild Night, it was time for those characters to have their book. And we had kind of planned what their story was going to be. So we wrote it as planned, but they had become different people since then. And so we turned in this book and our editor very wonderfully was like, I love this book for someone else. I don't love it for them. And he was right, you know? And I think like, that's a very good and safe relationship when somebody can say that to you, like, well done, but try again, you know? (laughs) I think uh, something you said, Christine, at the beginning of that about how like, you start, you know, just the idea of like not getting it right the first time and, and, and maybe knowing that you won't get it right the first time. Cause I mean, have you had, a? do you feel like you've had a book that like, you were like, Oh man, we know exactly what we're doing and we're going to crush it. (laughs) I mean, giving yourself the permission to screw it up is kind of what separates people who are, you know, able to get work out right now and people who are, you know, stymied behind first drafts. We have a, we like have a saying, we always say we're done is better than perfect because you like can't fix it if it's not there. So yeah, sometimes the words are just not there. And if you just sit and stare at the page, like you're only going to frustrate yourself. But if you can just get words out, even if they're crappy, um, you can fix that and make it better. And um, yeah, sometimes you just have to do it wrong to figure out, oh, wait, it's this. Yeah. You have to screw it up to get it right for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you talked about Dark Wild Night and Sweet Filthy Boy. Uh, your books have, like, over the last few years, they've kind of shifted. And not that they're, I mean, part of it is clearly the, the packaging. And you guys get, what beautiful covers you guys I know, have. we're I mean, so lucky. Must, yeah. Um, but, but the stories, like, In a Holidays kind of reflects that, too. They're, they're not bigger because they're, they're still beautiful romances. I mean, they're bigger in terms of maybe characters. But there's a little bit, there's a little little mm-hmm. you know there's just a little bit yeah. more that's happening more than was, just like the bedroom yeah. yeah was was that a plan did you find yourselves just shifting that way I mean how did that manifest for you guys I think you know we had a couple stories that we wanted to write that felt like the relationship existed in a bigger world and so one of those was dating you hating you which took place in the Hollywood setting where there are two agents they go on a date they're you know, kind of both in their thirties and single, and they come to work the next Monday and find that their companies have merged and they're competing for the same job. And at that time it was, we were really new to screenwriting and Hollywood and pitching stuff to networks and studios. And we were interacting with a lot of women who had these stories about things that they had to deal with in their professional lives that were just totally unacceptable. And the funny thing is that that book came out just before the Me Too thing broke. So it was very timely in that sense. And I think for us, it was so gratifying to write a book that had a really great, we think, romance, great characters, but also existed in a world that a lot of women could relate to outside of the bedroom. And I think there was just something that kind of like was a paradigm shift for us where we wanted to make sure that we wrote a world where all of our readers could see themselves in our characters, they could relate to something in the larger world. And we had a more of a feminist feel to our stuff. Not that the beautiful and wild season series aren't feminist, because they absolutely are. Um, And so I think from there, the standalones just kind of let us play in a bigger sandbox. So some of them are steamier, like Josh and Hazel's pretty steamy. And um, 
like Honey Don't List has some steamy stuff and some of them are more tame, but I think we're really lucky that we get to write the stories the way we want to write them. You know, as a person who's read um, so many of your books, um, like this, the steam is, I mean, who doesn't love a good steamy book? But I, when I think about your books and what I want from one of your books, it's like the tension, right? Mm -hmm. It's the, it's the tension. And I feel like that gets, that is there and magnified in these, in in some of these um, new books. And I, I, that's what what makes it fun right now is to watch. I think, I feel like to watch it grow and it's kind of, is it a relief not to have to write quite so many sex scenes? (laughs) As a person who's always like writing sex scenes, it's like, oh, here we go. I mean, because we've written a lot of sex scenes. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it just doesn't fit the characters to have a ton. Like in, um, in uh, Unhoneymooners, I remember our agent was like, I think she, our agent is like the most, like we, she's just the most wonderful, smartest woman we've ever met. And she has a tendency to be a little like pearl clutchy, but then also a closet piglet. And so she was like, I think this needs like a little more humpy. And (laughs) like, that's the technical term. And so we wrote like more of an open door sex scene and it just did not fit for Olive and Ethan at all and so for us it's like it just depends on the characters like yeah sometimes you do get to a point where you go I don't know how many more ways to say this but then some other books like soulmate equation that comes out in May is much steamier than some of our um you know it's much steamier than unhoneymooners so it just depends on the characters it's Mm -hmm. got it has to like push the story forward it has to serve a purpose and has to fit them as a couple it is funny yeah. how some characters arrive kind of ready to mm-hmm. go. You know? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, just have a you drink. You feel almost, <laughs> I think we felt like we were intruding with Olive and Ethan. Like once <laughs> yeah. they started looking up, we kind of, Christine and I both felt like we kind of had to back out of the room a little bit. And we have never felt that way before. But I think, you know, if you follow the characters and what they want to show, and I don't mean that in a like, our characters speak through us. You know, I just mean like, what fits the story? It's not like them to be like, you know, use the C and P words. It's just not <laughs> who they are, you know? And that's what we say. I mean, sometimes you write an outline and the outline looks amazing, but then you go to actually yeah. put that outline into words on a page and you're like, this is, this is, A does not like connect to B. Yeah. And you just don't know that until you start writing. Yeah. It's yeah. the, it's the perils and pleasures of um, creating such fully dimensional characters right like yeah i mean that's that's a great compliment that's a good it, way to, to can't just it. force them into bed ladies you can't I know. <laughs> Fine. Okay. so back to in the holidays uh did, so this is your first christmas novel yeah yeah so did you sit down and you're like okay we this is what we have to have in it like this is the hallmark christmas <laughs> checklist did you feel like you had to do that no not at all and it's funny because we we like that would never have been on our bucket list. But I think when we were looking at our schedule and we were, you know, back in 2018, early 2019, we were like, okay, so we have a release in this time and this time. And then we have a May and or March and an October. And we're like, I don't know, we've never done something that's kind of wintry before, like intentionally wintry. 
you know, we had with on honeymooners, but they go to Maui, even though it's over New Year's. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, so, yeah. no so I think we were like, let's do it. Cause we wanted to write something that had like, I, like I mentioned before the chosen family and had the cabin. So it sort of just all came together. But I think, I mean, one thing we always want to say is even though it is a Christmas sea book, you can read it anytime. Cause it's just a Christina Lauren novel too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like we haven't done anything differently you know, we still have our voice and we still do the Christina Lauren, um, you know, banter and banter. Yeah. yeah. So, um, one of the, one of the parts that really resonated with me was that like this, this chosen family that, that gets together at every holiday season, um, the traditions cannot change. Like if you lose a tradition and they have some crazy ones, this like snow animal snow making yeah. <laughs> the, the scavenger hunt in town. It, like they have some big traditions, but if you pull one, then there's a fear that it'll all mm-hmm. go away. And do you have big family Christmas holiday traditions in your families that like this spoke to you? I do. Christina doesn't as much, but we've had, I mean, we have some that are like, you know, we just do every year in terms of like what we have for every meal and what we do on Christmas morning, Christmas Eve, Christmas night, what we do during between, you know, all that stuff. Um, And I think, you know, Kristen Dwyer, she's our PR rep. She and her family have a lot of very specific family traditions and it's fun to hear about them. So I think we were sort of inspired by that too. Um, But I think a lot of the traditions came about from, writing the story about a young woman who is on that cusp of like, when are you no longer a kid, right? They're yeah. still sleeping in the bunk beds downstairs. They're still not really, board expect- games. Yeah, yeah, not expected to like do that much cooking and cleaning. Like they're kind of just being kids still. And I think part of the traditions was us being okay, breaking away from the habits of childhood and like making new traditions and making new habits. So. Yeah. The, the, I mean, my, you know, like my mom tried to change Thanksgiving dinner one year and Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like we, I mean, our, our family outrage, I'm so embarrassed, (laughs) (laughs) just wanted to try something different. And we were night, we were jerks. She's like, no, we won't change that. Um, So I'm going to, we're going to do a real quick uh, Christmas holiday lightning round if you don't mind. So try not to think too hard about the answer. Go with your gut. Okay. Uh, I was going to say you could pass, but don't pass. Passing no. late. <laughs> I overthink everything. So let's see. Okay. What is the best Christmas gift you've ever given? That one's hard. I started hard. I started real hard. Oh man. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind is the year, a few years ago, we got our daughter like boots and horseback riding stuff because she was really into horseback and it just like made, it's just changed her life. But I feel like that's not very interesting, but I don't know. I'm going to go with it. Well, I have a good one. Uh, One year, one year, um, my, so my brother used to ride, he had a motorcycle, this bright yellow motorcycle that he loved so much. And then he started going to school and stuff. And so he sold it. And um, it was a couple of years into us writing books and stuff. My sister-in-law said, the guy who bought your brother's book or your brother's um, motorcycle is selling it again. I think I'm going to buy it for him. And I said, you know, oh my God, can I pay half? 
And so she bought it for him. And so we got a watch box because I was like, what do you want for Christmas? He said he wanted a watch. So um, we put the key inside this watch box. And I, and it was really, it was so weird because my sister-in-law was a terrible liar. And she was like, wait, 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 your sister wants to come over and, and watch us put, put presents. And my brother was like, why? She's never done this. And we live like three <laughs> minutes apart. So so they were like, and it snowed that morning. It was the first snow of the year that was taking us longer to get there. And he was like, what the hell is going on? On. but we recorded that moment where he opened it the box and he thought it was a watch and then he looked in and it was the keys and we went out yeah. to the garage and it was Aww. there and, and um, was he, was, he just never saw it coming he just was so blown away and so that was probably the best guess. but if you ask Lo, she'll say that a fruit of the month club is the best gift oh it is <laughs> fruit of the month she gets yeah. me the Harry and David's Fruit of the Month Club every year, and it brings me so much joy. It's like the best fruit, and it's just delivered to my door. It's so good. <laughs> the pears. The pears are, the are amazing. I never had one. Have you had one of the cherries, though? They come in, like, individual, like, little foam pockets in the box, and you just, like, eat a cherry, and it's, like, that big. <laughs> I'm, make, I'm making yeah, a I very guess. big cherry. And it's, like, you eat the whole – and it's just the most amazing – fruit it's so good I well i will good. say lo got me a subscription to the boats that's like you get a bouquet of flowers every month and it is crazy the timing especially during this i just one day will get the door and there's a box of flowers on my porch and sometimes you just need some freaking flowers and 2020 like, is self-care this is it like is. yeah i think the reality is most of the time most of the time yeah. like you just need some flowers that's note to yeah. self everyone Okay, yeah. of the month. And uh, it's not even that expensive. It's so good. It's like an easy way to give yourself some joy. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, what is your uh, favorite Christmas cocktail? Mm, I like a really spiked eggnog with like frothy egg foam. Like I want it like classic, classic, very cold, very boozy, yes. very frothy. I want to like an eggnog mustache. <laughs> drunk, drunk, just as it's coming up to your mouth, just yeah. that first inhale. It's like, like mm-hmm. the <laughs> um, I'm super boring and I don't drink because it just makes me fall asleep. So my favorite drink is low drinking. And then somehow by some sort of bestie osmosis, I get drunk. Yes. 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 People think that's not true. No, it's so but. true. The more I drink, the drunker she gets. Yeah, if I so drink, great. I I will have two like like five minutes of a little giggly, and then I just sit at the table and just get like progressively quieter. But um, somehow it's science. <laughs> That's good science. More yeah, proof that your soulmates. Uh, your favorite Christmas Carol. Mm. I mean, I don't really sing a lot of Christmas carols around the house. <laughs> I, I hate I'm a little drummer boy. I hate it. <laughs> I like anything on the Nat King Cole album for the most part. I love um, the Canadian Brass Christmas album. Oh. And I'm, it doesn't matter which um, song they do. I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's really, really good. That whole album is like, that's the one we put on. And it's like, as soon as it goes on, my husband and I are both like, oh, it's Christmas time. Like, it's so tied to Christmas. It's a really great album. Being Crosby uh, sounds like Christmas. It just, it yeah. just sounds like Christmas should sound. Yeah. My song is Carol of the Bells. Whenever that comes on, I'm like, oh, I love that. Yes. Yeah. A good one. Favorite cookie? 
Mm. <laughs> Favorite Christmas cookie. <laughs> my mom always makes Scottish shortbread, so we make that every year. My mom used to make a bunch of different ones, and that's like what she would give her friends, like a little box of cookies that were all beautiful. And she makes the world's best lemon squares. And then she also makes these Mexican wedding cakes, which are like ground walnuts and butter and flour, and they're dusted with powdered sugar. And I like, oh my God, I used to eat so many of them when I was little. It's, I don't even know. They're so good. <laughs> uh, and your fa- last one, favorite Christmas movie? Elf. Okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, oh, my so hard. We always watch A Christmas Story. It's We might not watch it from like, the 24 hours that it plays on PBS, but it's on. So that and Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, it's a good ones. Well, those are amazing. I hope everybody's in the holiday spirit, ready to go decorate a tree <laughs> or something. Uh, again, Yay! everyone, thank you. Christina, Lauren, thank you so much for stopping by. Everybody who's listening, stay home if you can, wear a mask, wash your hands, have a drink, read a book. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks for coming. Thank you, Molly. We love you. Thank you. Thank you.